This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Michigan U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance, still the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with the ranking member of the Senate Agriculture Committee, Debbie Stabenow, next. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. With crop prices falling, farm incomes plummeting, and Mother Nature wrecking havoc, the private sector crop insurance infrastructure is more important today than ever. Providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow supports the Clean Water Act and the agency that enforces it. But the Michigan Democrat also wants to be sure that farmers, ranchers, and foresters have exemptions they've been promised. First of all, you know, it's very important, obviously, that we have a Clean Water Act, a, a tool for promoting economic development and, of course, drinking water and other efforts in the country. And there's been a lot of confusion about the Clean Water Act for a number of years. And I've been concerned that farmers and ranchers and, and foresters um, have had a lot of confusion about what they can do and not do. So I weighed in very heavily with the EPA to make sure that they went back because their first round draft was very confusing. And I weighed in very heavily to make sure that the longstanding exemptions for farming, ranching, forestry activities uh, were clearly in place, and they now are. So uh, I think we still have to be vigilant, but I would much rather have those uh, exemptions in place and have uh, farmers have the, the certainty of uh, knowing, you know, what um, is expected of them. Are the regulations as clear as they should be? I think they are clear when it comes to agriculture and ranching and forestry because what they've done is said the long-standing exemptions, those exemptions that have always existed, still exist. So uh, folks uh, should know, based on what they've been doing for years, what they can do and not do. doesn't mean there won't be other questions come up. I'll certainly be vigilant on that. There may be other areas where there are questions, but for me, I've been laser-focused on the question of making sure the exemptions that have always been there are still there, and they are. With regard to country of origin labeling, the House has taken action, and I know that you and Chairman Roberts have talked about it, but yet to come before the full Senate Ag Committee and not before the full Senate chamber yet. Is there compromise in the works, and how soon could we see legislation? Well, we need something to happen right away. Really, the time is running out on this in terms of retaliation and what's coming before the WTO. Uh, I tried to get it resolved uh, within the farm bill, and both sides, uh, you know, were unwilling to really come together and find a compromise then. I wanted to create a certainty a couple years ago, but uh, instead folks wanted the process to play out, and so... Uh, this summer, when we lost again before the WTO, uh, Senator Hoven and I came together and proposed a compromise that could pass the Senate. And the majority of the members of the 
Senate Agriculture Committee and uh, the majority of the members on the floor of the Senate, uh, there was disagreement again. Folks wanted to run out the process. So we'll just have to see. I mean, I've been trying to find a way to get this fixed for a long time. The, the good news is, is that both the House and the Senate bills that have been proposed would repeal cool. That's very important because there's been a lot of misinformation. Both the House and the Senate bill repeal cool. The only difference is that in the Senate, the compromise would uh, make it clear that USDA could develop a product of the U.S. label that had a specific definition and a, uh, and integrity in it in terms of born, raised, and slaughtered in the U.S. But both proposals, uh, everybody has agreed at this point. We have to file the WHO. We have to repeal COOL. The question is for uh, those uh, by, that bipartisan strong support for COOL, uh, you know, whether or not there is a compromise that would allow a product of the U.S. label that would have uh, some integrity in it. Do you have a, a particular hope of a timeline of when you might consider well, that? Well, I mean, I, you know, I wanted to get something done this summer. I'm very concerned about retaliation. I've got a lot of food companies and others who are very concerned. I've, my role in this has been trying to uh, uh, get enough votes to get something passed. And um, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, it's got to be soon. Because we have, uh, you know, folks who've not been involved uh, in this uh, fight who are going to be impacted. So, uh, again, if we wanted to, the, there are the votes there, uh, for uh, the Hoven uh, Stabenow approach, which is a compromise, uh, repeals cool completely, uh, allows a product of the U.S. label on a voluntary basis. And uh, that is something that has more than enough votes to pass the Senate. If folks would rather go a different way, then we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. The text of the Trans-Pacific Partnership is now public, and some would suggest this is a two-edged sword. It has challenges and it has opportunities. Same for your state. How do you see it and what's key in the debate now as you evaluate that trade deal? Well, for me, when I look at the fact that I believe we don't have an economy unless we make things and grow things, uh, this is a complicated proposal when we look at the number of countries involved, the impacts. Obviously, uh, from an agriculture standpoint, there's a lot of uh, opportunities uh, and as well as some concerns, but a lot of opportunities. Um, we are, uh, from an, a manufacturing uh, auto standpoint, um, concerned uh, that uh, particularly in the Asian com uh, countries where they use currency manipulation to undercut price, that there's no real enforcement uh, currency manipulation as a trade violation. And so that's a great concern. And it's unusual to see any of the auto companies come out against a trade agreement because they're global but we have seen that happen because of the way this is written. So uh, it's complicated for me. Uh, I certainly, uh, you know, support uh, trade. We're in a global economy. I want it to be fair for us, and I want to make sure that we're exporting our products, not our jobs. The GMO labeling issue has been through the House of Representatives, and the Senate Agriculture Committee spent time talking about the safety of crops that are genetically modified. Do you have a personal view on those crops, Senator, and how big is this labeling proposal that may come before the Senate? 
Well, I support biotechnology, and um, it's clear from the science that uh, we're talking about uh, a safe technology. Obviously, if there ever was a concern about it, I'd want to make sure that uh, the, the right folks were, were weighing in to make sure it's safe, but everything I've seen from the science is that not only is biotechnology safe, but it's critical for us in terms of feeding uh, a hungry world that is growing every single day. And so um, we're in a situation now where because of, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, there uh, a lot of uh, confusion around what GE or GMO uh, products really are. That uh, and frankly, there's a legitimate growing interest by consumers in knowing more information about uh, their food and so on, and having more choices. We're in a situation where we have, uh, I think, a very difficult situation for farmers, for the industry, um, at the same time in meeting concerns of consumers around the country. The the idea of having a 50-state patchwork of labeling laws makes no sense. It would be very, very bad for our industry, very bad for the economy. So we've got to take some action uh, that will eliminate uh, a 50-state approach. I think the way to do that, because I believe that biotechnology is safe, um, is one in which we uh, create a way to disclose and have transparency um, in education about biotechnology, make sure that whatever we do as a national policy doesn't stigmatize biotechnology, but that we come together and find uh, a way to make sure that people uh, have the opportunity to uh, know what's in their food, not just in biotechnology, but uh, other things as well. And I think we could put together a national system of disclosure and transparency that's um, that's user-friendly from the industry standpoint as well as consumers, and uh, and that there is a way to you know to come to come up with something. Uh, that really is a compromise between the two positions. Is I'm a, hoping that's possible. Are electronics a way to resolve that, per se, with a smartphone or the Internet? Because, frankly, some food products aren't that big, and there's not a lot of room for a label. Well, I agree that using our new technology, what's called a QR code, you know, we already have uh, um, uh, codes on the back of, of uh uh, most products here that as you're going through checkout with the price and so on, I think uh, many, many companies are stepping up with uh, very impressive websites uh, providing a lot of different information that consumers are interested in, and there really is a way to connect those things. And so um, USDA has also been in a very thoughtful way uh, working uh, with folks on, on how that might be done. So I, I do believe that there's a way um, to use technology in a way that gives consumers the information that uh, they need and want and does it in a straightforward way that doesn't stigmatize biotechnology and uh, would cut out this, I think, impossible situation of a 50-state patchwork of labeling laws. There is one state whose laws will come into effect in 2016, and if those are to come to fruition, then food companies will need to be in preparation now. Is there a deadline? Uh, is there a timeline that this has to be accomplished in Washington? 
Well, I think it has to be done as soon as possible. And um, from my standpoint, that's why I've been out and engaged and offering to play, you know, a leadership role and in, in helping to find that common sense solution. Uh, we have to have industry being willing to step up and, and wanting to do that, negotiate uh, and do that. And um, I've been also working with those who want to see uh, mandatory labeling to uh, work with them on an approach that would meet the needs of consumers but do it in a way that uh, is effective and supportive of industry and biotechnology. So what we need are willing partners right now. So if if uh, folks want to find a solution, I really believe that there there is a solution out there. And personally, I think it needs to be done as soon as possible, and I'm willing to work with anybody who wants to work to get that done. Senator, you've been outspoken on child nutrition reform and, and wanting to make sure that kids are provided the best in nutrition. Some still are adamant that the child nutrition reform would include flexibility. Is there compromise in the works? Well, Senator Roberts and I are working closely together to find a way forward on reauthorizing the child nutrition law, the five-year bill, and and I'm hopeful we're going to be able to do that. The great news is that 97% of our schools are now uh, in compliance with the healthy food standards, and we have been providing flexibility on whole grains and sodium uh, the last couple of years through the appropriations process, and certainly we want to continue to support schools and and give them uh, flexibility, but we also know now that because of terrific leadership at uh, the local level, schools now are working not only with healthy food standards, but I'm very excited about the efforts on farm to school and school gardens. I think one of the most fun things for me to do is to go out to a school and have them walk me through the garden and have the students talk about what they have been growing and, um, you know, and all of the things related to that. It's such a terrific learning process. And they're much more excited about eating uh, fresh fruits and vegetables if they've grown them. So there's a lot of things that were in this five-year bill that are really starting to take hold. So we don't want to go backwards. We want to go forwards. Uh, and the other thing that I'm very concerned about is that we only have about 18% of the children who are getting uh, school meals, low-income children who are eating during the school year, that are able to get healthy meals in the summer, 18%. And so that is clearly not acceptable in our great country and as the generals have said to us you know we we need uh, healthy young people that can step up and qualify and serve our country in the armed services and we hear from uh, the medical community about health care costs the 14 billion dollars a year we're spending in obesity and other uh, health risk uh, diseases that relate to uh, lack of good nutrition for children so we can do better than that and uh, I believe that we can keep moving forward, and that's what we're working on. Some school systems are financially strapped to the point of laying off teachers or not replacing those that are retiring, and providing more vegetables, providing fresh fruits is a cost burden. Uh, Is there more money from Washington that can help these school systems meet the challenge of better nutrition for kids? 
Well, I believe we need to make good nutrition and, frankly, education in general a top priority for our country. We all say children are our future, and then where we look at the investments in our country that don't necessarily go to those things that will uh, keep our children, make our children strong and healthy and, and well-educated and so on. So I'm all for um, adding resources. If we were able to get the bipartisan uh, support to do it, I'm all for adding resources to support our local schools, uh, the folks with the meals programs who are working very, very hard. And in general, when we look at the multiple ways that schools feel pressure from local property taxes and school funding from uh, states and all the ways that they have uh, pressures on them. I certainly understand that. And uh, I think that the answer is not to say children should be less healthy and more obesity or that children should uh, not have um, quality schools. I think the answer should be how are we going to step up together and make sure the next generation has what they need to be successful. We're closing this season in Washington. We're coming toward the conclusion of congressional action, and obviously an omnibus appropriation bill may be coming. Are some of these items, like child nutrition, like GM labeling, uh, like crop insurance and cool reform, are these items that could be added to that omnibus bill? If we have bipartisan support, I think any of these things could be a part of our year-end efforts. Uh, I would welcome it if we had bipartisan support on each of these and were able to get these things done. Um, Senator Roberts and I, working with our House colleagues, are absolutely committed, of course, on crop insurance. We stood together unequivocally opposed to reopening the farm bill and the $3 billion cut in crop insurance. And so uh, we're standing together and going to hold the leadership's feet to the fire on the fact that they've indicate, indicated that that's going to be fixed and that $3 billion cut will not take place anywhere in the farm bill, not just in crop insurance. So, um, so that's certainly something we are working together on and um, – uh, have to make sure that people follow through on their promises. And the rest of it, if we can get bipartisan support, I feel confident that we could get those through the Senate and the House by the end of the year. Senator Stabenow, thank you for spending time with us here on Open Mic. The program is called Open Mic, and Senator, you have the last word. Well, it's just wonderful to be with you again. I'm so honored to have the opportunity to get up every day and go to work on behalf of the folks who have the riskiest business anywhere in the world, and that's our farmers and ranchers. And uh, uh, I think it's our job to make sure that they have certainty, that they have the tools they need to be successful, because if they're successful, our country will be successful. Our thanks to Michigan U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance, still the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Allen. 